All right. So uh, if you have put up the objectives, um, we're we're really dealing with this um, objective number three and four about cultivating the dominion for deliverance and accelerating you towards deliverance. And um, I'm going to, for those of you that were um, in our um, Think Camp and Wealth Academy, we had a great time there. Amen. Um, some great great insights and information is there. And so I'm going to build on some of the teachings that I did there. So if you uh, weren't uh, able to participate in all of the services, don't worry. Um, I'm, I got you too. Um, but I'm going to go a little faster in some of this because um, a lot of us have. And there's a piece of it that I want to get to today that's very, very um, important. So remember uh, where we were and how we started um, in me telling you a, a very uh, personal incident where uh, Lady Nedra and I were on a flight and I had a panic attack. And um, if you've ever had one of them, that's real personal. It's really intense. It's like a private thing. Somebody can be sitting around you, but you in your own, you in your own skin and um, you dealing with this thing that you are dealing with. And, and so I, I walked you through these things that the Lord did to help me calm myself down in the instant, and then how he's worked to help me build that insight into my life going forward. So let's look at uh, uh, my four pictures of necessary to live in newness of life, four pictures necessary to live in newness of life. I said, I said um, that God gives us a picture that I am crucified with Christ coming into the Good Friday season. And so often uh, we do, and it is my plan to do it again this year because I think it gives other ministers a chance to really go through core revelation on what God has. And so we go through the seven last sayings of Jesus Christ. And not only will we do it here, but that evening I'm going to be in one of them preacher places where all of the pastors come together and I'm doing one of them. And uh, I'm going to give them the difference of destiny, too, in Jesus' name. And uh, so uh, I am crucified with Christ, imagining that the thing that is trying to take you, you want to do something, but you can't because you're kind of stuck. Then getting the picture when this thing comes at you that the old body of sin, I am buried with Christ and the body is dead. A dead body no longer desires what a live body used to. So when you consider yourself dead, you're saying, oh, no, that, that, that's coming. I'm just, that's just lying symptoms. I'm dead to that. Okay? And when I tell people about that, I remind them about the day that uh, my, my dad went to heaven. And um, I went in the house, and I took him. Um, it was Spencer Mortuary. Spencer's long gone. J. Merrill Spencer, all the old head Flynn folks, y'all know who I'm talking about. And, uh, and so um, his people came, and I helped the man carry dad down the front steps. And for me, that was really important. Because as far as I was concerned, ain't nobody home. Dad was gone. Okay? That's how you have to treat sin when it comes to you. 
and tells you, I got you. You just got to do this. Ain't nobody home. That person is buried. They're dead. Okay? But you got to get that picture because Satan will tell you, no, 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 I got you. You just got to do it. All right? Then we said the third picture is the one that I am married with Christ. And the one that really gave me the victory in the instant is this I am carried with Christ. All right? Carried with Christ. I could have said I am seated with Christ, but I wanted it to kind of flow with the rest of them in my list. That's, that's the only reason I said it that way. Now, let's look at Ephesians 2, 5, and 6. That's been the scripture that we've been talking about. And it says, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, that God made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So, so that he carried us up is not enough. Um, it just made my list flow good and because I try to get you stuff that you can remember in the instant. And listen, I was so glad when I was on the plane that the Holy Ghost could give me that list and it was something that I could call back, right? Um, and we talked about that it doesn't just say you seated with Christ like, you know, you just, hey, there's a seat. Anybody, you can sit any old place. It literally means seated on a throne of authority, right? There's a lot of seats in the courtroom, but unless you're the judge, you don't sit, you don't sit in his seat or her seat. They will come quickly. <laughs> they will come quickly to come get you. If you decide that you want to sit in the judge's seat, even if the judge is not even in the chambers, they will come quickly to get you because that seat is reserved. It is a seat of authority. And so what you have to recognize that when Christ raised you up, when God raised you up in Christ Jesus, he raised you up to sit in the seat of authority that Jesus Christ sits in. All right. Now, listen, I didn't do that. He did that. I get the benefit of it. But if I walk like I'm a person that like, you know, who he think he is. That, that's not me. I didn't do that to myself. If it wasn't in the word of God, I wouldn't have an, a, a right to even believe that it could be done. But it is. He, he wrote it. He did it. And so since he did it, I'm going to live like I have a seat of authority. Yeah. You walk in a place that you got a seat of authority, you, you got to walk different. The judge don't walk in there like, I, I hope um, everybody in the courtroom like what I'm doing. And, um, and I hope this is, you know, pray for me as I try to judge today. Y'all be looking at it like, dude, can I get a different, yeah, can I get somebody that look like they know what they doing? You come in here doing some crazy stuff. We like, who in the world is you? Why are you sitting in the seat? But hold it. That's the same thing God's saying to you. I gave you the seat. Use it. You get to decree and decide things. Because you have the seat. 
But what seat of authority does Jesus sit in? Well, let's look at Ephesians 1, 20 through 23. We, we read it last week in the New King James, but I'm going to read it in the Message Bible. And it says, all this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe. Everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. At the center of running governments and galaxies, you're not a side thought to God's galactic rule. You are the main idea. Look at verse 23. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world, though it may look like to the world we are. It may look like uh, y'all just, just trying to, we really running things. Y'all just someplace doing a little something, something. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is actually peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he feels everything with his presence. So God doesn't see a city with churches in it. God sees a church with a city around it. You're the center of what God's doing. So I want you singing songs. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody. Yeah, now you're trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody, but you're not a nobody. Do you hear the difference? Right? Now, this is not arrogance. This is you walking and what God created for you to have. And listen, the devil knows if you don't know your authority. You ever told somebody, stop. And you were saying no, but they were like, yeah, they ain't serious yet. Sometime as a husband, I play with Nedra. Yeah, yeah, I still play. Still play. And sometimes she's like, honey, okay, see, the playing is over. My play date is done. Okay. There's a certain way she says it, and I know playtime over. Shut it down. Okay. What I'm telling you is, the devil knows if you are still playing 
or if you know what your authority is. And until you know what your authority, he won't recognize because he's a usurper. He will take whatever ground you give him. Okay? So if you don't know that you can tell him no, he's going to keep telling you he can tell you yes. All right? So that's the challenge that we face is, is that God has done this, but we got to really know it to really experience it. All right? Verse 22 told us that God has forcibly subjugated and put every other enemy under the feet of Christ. But that is not us. He put every other enemy under the feet of Christ. But Christ is the head and the church is the body. So he put every enemy under us. That's the reality that you have to grab grapple with and deal with. All right? For us, he is the head of the church. So just like the Roman Empire had slaves and servants, it had soldiers, it had citizens, but then it had a senate. The senators who rule with Caesar, that is our position. The church it's meant to be a governmental legislative body that takes orders from the emperor and makes sure that those orders and decrees are enforced throughout the whole kingdom. You're not, you're not even just a citizen. Now, your citizenship is in heaven. Philippians tells us that. But as a church, you're more than a citizen. You are a citizen, right? The cross is our Statue of Liberty. Yeah, yeah. Bring your huddle masses teeming to our shore, yearning to be free. For whosoever the sun shall free shall be free indeed. Yeah, the cross is my Statue of Liberty. I am a citizenship. My name is written on the rolls in heaven. I'm not a legal alien trying to climb up over some wall. I'm a citizen. The gates are open. I walk directly to the throne room and I sit down. But I'm more than just a citizen. Now, that would be good. If he had only said that, that would be enough. But he didn't only say that. He said that you are part of the people, you are part of the governmental structure of heaven. So whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, Satan knows if you know how to bind and loose. He knows if he can run rampant and just tell you stuff and you take it. And he going to do that until you tell him, like Lady Nedra tell me, when plane time's over. Put that foot down. Stop! Sometimes, as a husband, I'm just a big kid. I'm just, I ain't gonna lie to you. Stop! I Listen, marriage's supposed to be fun. Y'all need to play with each other, too, but that's a story for a different day. <laughs> All right, that's a story for a different day. This is not a marriage seminar. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Uh, 
For the rule that God has given you to affect your daily life, you have to see yourself in the reality of the rule right in the midst of your daily challenges and struggles. I had to pan out from what I was feeling in the moment and see myself on a seat of authority, looking down on me in the midst of my situation. And from that seat, I talked to David in that seat. I have, until I could do that, I couldn't change it. I had to picture that until that picture changed the dynamic of what I was dealing with. Pastor, that sounds like mind science. No, it ain't mind science. That's the Bible. I didn't make it up. I showed it to you in the book. That's new age. No, no, that's God's age. That's kingdom age. He did that. I didn't do it. If he hadn't done it, I would even have a right to say it. But he did it. And I'm not going to walk away from it because some religious people think that they, you know, they too spooky to be spiritual. No, no, this is real spirituality that I'm talking. This is real kingdom authority that I'm talking. He did it. But if we don't exercise it, nothing changes. Okay. As we said from the beginning, God raised up Jesus to his own right hand, raised him up, set him in the heavenlies, far above principalities and powers, and has invested in you the authority to use his name. So when you say it, oh man, Pastor Tony, his great example, talking about he was this, you know, lieutenant colonel and so on down here, but he was an aide for the brigadier general. So there were people above his rank who sometimes challenged him. Then he said, I'm speaking on behalf of the brigadier general. His rank just went above theirs, even though outside of that, now when he's speaking in his own authority, they got him beat. But when he speaks in the authority of the office, they got to obey his order as if they were obeying the general. Well, guess what? Satan, he knows if you're just talking in your flesh. But if you, if you understand who you are in Jesus, and then you speak to him, he got to move as if Jesus himself spoke from the throne. And he had to get out of your way like he would have to get out of Jesus' way if Jesus was walking in your flesh. Does that make sense? Okay. So demons and the world system is under your feet today as well. So I talked about this in, in Think Camp on Thursday, and I want to practically help you walk this out today. We want to determine... We want to determine to see and respond to every situation we face from the position of authority Jesus gave you in him when you received Jesus as your Savior. From this point in time, I'm going to see every situation and respond to every situation from my position of authority. 
Pastor David, how do I do that? Oh, man, I'm, I'm glad you asked me that question. How do I do that? When Bill is calling, and I don't even want to answer the phone. How do I do that when I'm having, I'm going through this emotional thing and I want to reach for something that's not my Bible to deal with it? How, 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 do, I, how do I deal with that situation from, from that position of authority? Okay, well, let's, let's, let's learn how to do that. First John 4, 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. God wants you to be confident that as you exercise your dominion in your situation like Jesus, his love for you will be there to back you. Remember, we had in the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, that cycle, we showed that there was love that drove boldness. Because you're going to have to be bold to tell the devil off. You can't say, devil, I'm tired of you. Would you just go away? They ain't serious yet. He like, they, 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 they not ready. They don't know who they are. Stop trying to get the devil to pity you and leave you alone. You can either be pitiful or powerful. You cannot do both. Right? So his love for you will be there to back you just as much as he backed Jesus when he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. When you stand up, Come on, parents. You see somebody take their authority and do their thing, you be like, that's my boy. <laughs> Look at him. Handling, large and in charge. It's my girl. Yeah, you, you want to see your children walk in everything that God has for them. Okay, so guess what? When you stand up with your bonus and start putting up with stuff you've been putting up with, Heaven's going to be like, yes, we've been waiting for this day. Angels hearken to the voice of the word. They are sent forth to minister to those who are the heirs of salvation. They're going to get off the sideline and get in the game when you start speaking with some authority. Because they have to obey your voice like they obey Jesus' voice when you speak with your authority in Jesus' name. Yeah, they're not, they're like, man, we've been wanting to get in the game. We've been wanting to get in the game, man. But they, you haven't been giving them something they can work with. But you start speaking with that authority, man, stuff starts to move behind the scene. The devil be like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> There's an earthquake. Fire in the hole. <laughs> Shots fired. Get man down. Demon down. Shots fired. They are waiting for you. And when you do it, 
He, now, he's going to send some religious spirits to you. Yeah, I don't, yeah you're going a little too far. I know you, Pastor David could do that stuff, but you, 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 you're getting a little excessive. You need to get on back. Just being a good little church Christian that's getting defeated. Yeah, they're going to try to talk you out of it. Because, see, they know that if you actually get this stuff done, then their days of running your life is over. So they're going to try to convince you, Pastor David is off. But listen, I didn't give you, these are not my words. Church people, uh, you better watch it. <laughs> I had gone through a situation. And I was talking to, to one of my mentors in the faith, one of my other mothers, not this one. You would have said nothing like it. And I said, I'm going to make the devil pay. Now, you better watch what you tell the devil. You better watch what you say. <laughs> Why, he ain't watching what he say. You better be careful. Don't go too far. You better watch it. Listen. <laughs> he ain't watching what he say to me. I'm like, yeah, you don't know what authority you got. Go, go, on, go on back to your play church. You'll know. And that's not, but if you don't know, you can't exercise. Your prayers are just whimpering. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. Hefty, hefty, hefty. You need some. <laughs> now, listen, Jesus is moved by your emotions. He's touched with the feeling of your infirmities, but he ain't getting up his throne to do it for you, even though he'll cry with you. He'll cry with you and still let you get beat. Why? Because he's not going to do for you what he's done, what he's already done. The Bible says he sits down expecting until his enemies be made his footstool. Who does that? Not him. He's done what he's going to do. He gave the keys to you. He gave the name to you. He gave the blood to you. He gave the armor to you. He gave the word to you. So, so he's looking for you to do it. So stop asking him to do something that he's told you to do for him. Go to the hospital, Lord. Go to the jailhouse. Last time I checked, he told me to go. Now, that sound all good. Go, Lord. Go. But I'm like, listen, if I told my boss to go do the thing that I was paid for, this <laughs> there would be a disturbance in the paycheck coming to the Johnson household. I'm just saying. I don't... <laughs> See, I'm very careful. Like one time, I did something, and uh, he sent me off to write up these proposals, and then I wrote down all of the things that need to be done, and I wrote some things down that I knew I, that were not my level of things to do, that were his level of things to do, but he was sending it on to his boss, so I wrote it in there. He was like, did you just give me a job? I said, I was managing upward. 
I'm just saying to you, right? But I made sure that what I asked him to do was above my pay grade. The stuff that's above your pay grade, God got it. But there's stuff he's put in your pay grade and you got to know it and walk like it. Listen to the brother Tony and the owner of the company said, I made you in charge of this. You go fix it. <laughs> and he's been feeling some kind of way, but he had to do it. He had to fire him too, boy. He had to do the job. He said, handle it, man. He's telling you, you got the authority, but you got to walk like it. Now, his friends wanted him to just be friends. <laughs> but he had to walk with the authority he got. Okay? People want you just to be cool, but it ain't time to be cool when you got to flex your authority. Does that make sense? All right. To do this, then I have to change my image. Okay, go to my, my definitions, right? I gave you this in the Think Camp. Image is the ability to see yourself within yourself as God sees you and as God is. Because Jesus gave you his seat, his authority in his name. So God sees you as God is. Because as he is, so are we in this world. We just read that. Okay? That, but... But when I'm in the middle and, and, and pain is racking my body, do I see myself as Jesus rebuking that pain in the name of Jesus? Calling to my healing, health, and wholeness. Or am I just there trying, trying, Lord, Lord, can you just, would you just pity and feel sorry for me and heal me? I got to deal with that image. Is my image of a person that's as healed as Jesus is, as healed as Jesus is, and the devil's trying to put symptoms on me, or am I sick trying to get Jesus to feel sorry for me and heal me? Those are two different pictures. Those are two different pictures. That's an image issue. All right. Why? Because my internal meditation actively guides what I expect. We talked to you about the Lazarus scenario. Lazarus had a picture inside of himself that he was only worthy of crumbs. There was scripture that he could have pulled out on a rich man and said, you at least supposed to let me glean your field. As a gleaner, he could have had more than crumbs. But the picture inside of him said that's all he wanted. So sometimes we, I'm expecting great things. And do you, Pastor Tony said, what's the number? Uh, I can't even figure out a number to write down. <laughs> See, that's an image issue. Can't even figure out a number to write down. What? There's a lot of numbers. Pick one. <laughs> But somewhere inside me, my internal meditation says, ah, he did that thing, man. Go, Tony. But it can't be for me. Okay? It anonymously governs experience because we think we see the world as it is, but we see it as we are. 
and it accelerates gaining expertise. If you begin to see yourself this way, it'll change the way you begin to process information and you will grow into the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And your father will say, that's my child and I'm well pleased. Because if I get the picture right, then I can get the performance right. You should write that one down. That one wasn't in my notes. If I get the picture right, then I can get the performance right. So before I try to fix problems out there, I need to fix the picture that's in here. All right. All right, so my key statements, just for a reminder, you cannot live above the picture you hold of yourself within yourself. Right? So I got to change the picture that I see about me inside me if I'm going to change how I perform outside, right? I can't live above that picture. So I got to fix the pictures. I got to deal with them things that say that this is as much as I'm worth. Now, fixing the picture won't immediately change everything that's around you. But what happens is people get comfortable in their discomfort more than being just uncomfortable in their discomfort. And so if this is where your comfort zone is, even when you start to get out of it, your, your, your psyche will push you back into it. That's why if you, you know, get one of them houses where they, like, revamp your houses, you know, extreme makeover, sometimes you go back to those houses a few laters and look like what it was before because the picture of the house on the inside of them hadn't changed. You get a new car, and then you'll keep driving it until it drives like the old car. <laughs> You'll treat yourself a certain way because of the pictures that's on the inside of you. That's what I'm dealing with. All right. Um, number, go to the next one. It says it's hard to be big when little got you. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to it's hard to be big when little got you. God can have all of these things. That's why when He came and gave, look at him when He called Moses. Look at when he called Jeremiah. Look at when he called Gideon. They all had a crisis of confidence. God, who am I that you can do something great with me? Don't you know who my family is and who my uncles is and who my mom and them is? And they told me I wasn't going to be nothing because my granddaddy was nothing and my daddy was nothing. So I'm going to have to just be nothing. And then pictures be driving you, right? Look at the next one. This was the quote from Carter G. Woodson, who's considered the father of Black History Month. And he said, when you control a man's thinking, you do not have to worry about his actions. You do not have to tell him not to stand, he not to stand here or go yonder. He will find his proper place and will stay in it. You do not have to send him to the back door. He will go without being told. In fact, if there is no back door, he will cut one for his special benefit. His education makes it necessary. Lord, how many back doors have I created 
to go into. How many promotions have I walked away from? Because I don't like talking to people. They want me to do this job, but I'm praying for money, but I turned it down. What? I want to get my Holy Ghost switch and whoop you with it. You praying for money. They're saying you can solve the next level problem, but you turn it down while you're still praying for money. Heaven's like, what do you want? Tell me what do you want? Pastor David, I know all of that. Now, how do I change my image? Well, the key question is, what is the final picture that you should use for your image? Look at Romans 8, 28 and 29. And it says, and we know that all things work together for the good. To those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For, we, for whom he know, he also pre, oh, there's that destiny thing. He predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he, the son, might be the firstborn among many brethren. The picture God holds within himself of you is you operating in your situation like your big brother, Jesus Christ. Got it? That's the picture God has of you. That's what that said. And according to our definition of destiny, he has a plan to get you from the picture you have in you now to that one. The picture that God has within himself of you is Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ is your big brother, and you are a chip off the old block. Got it? Okay, Pastor David, show me how to do that. Now I'm glad you asked. Let's look at Luke chapter 8, verse 26 through 50. Now, as we see Jesus operate in situations, I don't want you just to read the scripture with me. I want you, as we're reading, to imagine the story in picture form. I'm teaching you how to meditate, not how to study. You don't meditate and just reading it. You got to read it and imagine the picture happening. Okay? We're going to read a story, and you're going to see the picture in your mind. Got it? Don't just read the words on the page and don't picture the image that the word is trying to portray. Got it? Pastor's teaching you how to meditate and develop your image. Then they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite of Galilee. And when he, Jesus, stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons a long time. He wore no clothes, did not live in the house, but in the tombs. One of the versions said that he... He would cry and cut himself and do a bunch of stuff at night. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him with a loud voice, said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For it had often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles. 
and he broke the bonds and was driven by the demons into the wilderness. Jesus asked him, saying, what is your name? And he said, Legion, because many demons had entered him. And they begged him that he would not command them to go into the abyss. Now a herd of many swine was feeding there on the mountain. So they begged him that he would per permit them to enter them, and he permitted them. Then the demons went out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place in the lake and drowned. That tells you what he thinks about the other white meat. Verse 34. <laughs> I don't want to mess with your bacon or nothing, but uh, <laughs> Jesus clearly didn't think too much of it. <laughs> if he turned bacon into seafood. Okay, verse 34. <laughs> and when those who fed them saw what had happened, they fled and told it to the city, told it in the city and in the country. When they went out to see what had happened, came to Jesus, found him, found the man from whom the demons had departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. They were afraid. Y'all wasn't afraid when he was crazy, but here he is, got clothes, talking straight, and now you scared. What? I know. So you got to picture this stuff. You got to have a vivid imagination if you're going to have a good meditation. Yeah. All right. Verse 36. They also who had seen it told them um, by what means he who had been demon possessed was healed. Then the whole multitude of the re surrounding regions of the gatherings asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. Oh, he got rid of the devils, and then y'all asking him to leave. Y'all should have been saying, come here. I got I, My knucklehead son got a few, too. Come see him. But they're asking him to leave. All right. You asked Jesus to get. He was like deuces. And he got into the boat and returned. Now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return to your own house and tell what great things had been done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city. And other version says the 10 city region called Decapolis, what great things Jesus had done for him. So Jesus didn't let him be an apostle, but he let him be an evangelist. Okay. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitudes welcomed him for they were waiting for him. So see the pictures of what's going on. Can you see a multitude getting back on the ship, off the boat? Multitude already there. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the, the multitude thronged him. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you, and you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I, seemed, I perceived power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was speaking, still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. 
But doggone, man, that, that sucks. I mean, just like get over it. <laughs> Leave the preacher alone. Your daughter's dead. Let it go. Okay. Y'all got see, see, y'all been just reading now. Y'all need to get in the you need to get into the story. When Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, do not be afraid. Only believe and she will be made well. All right. Okay. Now, now look up at me. All right. So let's talk about this. When you see this on the canvas of your imagination, when you see the story playing out and the scenes unfolding, who do you see yourself as? When you see the scenes unfolding, do you see yourself as the madman just trying to hold your mind together and dealing with self-harm? Because there's people that do. Is that the person, is that the image that you see of yourself? Just trying to hold it together? Dealing with trying to cut myself and hurt myself, thinking that hurting myself will make me feel better? Do, do you just see yourself as one of them disciples walking with Jesus? Look, go, Jesus, go. Go, Jesus, go, Jesus, go. Walking Jesus' work as a disciple. Maybe um, you see yourself like Jairus. I, I'll tell you, when I was young, or excuse me, when, um, when our daughter was young, I, I, I love that story because I always said if anything happened to her, I want to be able to do what Jairus did. Yeah, yeah. So I, I meditate. I mean, I spent time looking at how he talked to Jesus. You know, he was a he was a ruler of the synagogue, just like I am. So I could see myself going to Jesus and walking with Jesus and seeing my daughter raise up. So I meditated that picture. Maybe you see yourself as the woman who has an issue of blood pressing their way to the crowd trying to touch the hem of Jesus. Or maybe in your sickness, you feel like you're one of the throng that's pressing him ain't getting nothing out. Man, I'm, I'm in church. I'm with Jesus. Why ain't something coming out for me? That's a real picture. That picture will talk to you when you've been dealing with some sickness for a minute. What I want you to understand is all of those pictures are wrong. Let me tell you a story. We were here, we were having a, store, a service many years ago, early 2000s. My bishop, who was then at that time, Elder Benjabert, was preaching. Keyboard was right where that one is. I was playing while he was doing an altar call. And as I was playing, whatever he dealt with in the message, it really was grappling my heart. And I said to the Lord, and I was crying out, still service was going on, but I'm saying, Lord, I got an image issue. I don't see myself the way you see me. And... 
I had a vision. Lord, show me a vision. But before I talk to you the vision, let me read a scripture to you. 2 Corinthians 3.18. You getting something out of this? 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all, with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So, while I was playing for Bishop, I had a vision. Service still going on. I'm still here. But on the inside, I'm seeing a picture. And this scene I just read to you, I see it on a screen. I'm seeing Jesus. I see the madman of Gadara on the other side of the, Gal- of the Sea of Galilee. I see Jesus on this side. I see crowds around him. I see Jairus standing next to him. They're walking through the crowd. And I see the woman with the issue of blood at the far, the far right end of the screen crawling through the crowd. And then I see Jesus turn around and look at me in the audience, and my face is on him. Well, that'll change your thinking. I see him turn, and my face is on him. So now, I'm not the disciples, I'm not the madman, I'm not the crowd, I'm not even Jairus. I'm not the woman. I'm as he is. See, that's why I had to give you all that scripture up front. As he is, so are we in this world. I'm predestinated to not be conformed to the person reaching out looking for a him. I'm supposed to be the person that got a him. I'm not supposed to be the one, I'm not supposed to be the pastor asking for my daughter to be healed. I'm supposed to be the one that the pastors call when their daughter needs to be healed. I'm not supposed to be the one struggling with mental issues and grappling on whether or not I'm trying to cut myself. I'm supposed to be the one that casts that demon off people that makes them want to kill themselves. That's a whole different picture, ain't it? See, our last scripture said, I look in a mirror and behold the Lord. When I look in a mirror, I don't see your face. I see my face. But that's what happened. I looked into a mirror and saw the glory of the Lord with my face on it. Why? Because, like you, I'm predestined to be conformed to the image of his dear son. Now, listen. You tell, you say, 
if, I, if I hadn't built that up right, y'all be thinking I'm crazy. I tried to do something. And there's none of that. I told that vision to somebody who was literally, literally, and, I, and this is not a, a besmirch on him. He was, he was in a mental place, and I'm like, I, I'll just say it to him because I need to say it to somebody. And he came all, he got all religious now. You better watch yourself. Bruh, you don't even have grasp on reality and telling me to watch myself. See, do you see because why? Religious demons still have, they all sound the same. Pastor David. See, it's one thing to read the words, but it's another thing to see it. That picture started the process to change my life. Man, Pastor, I wish God would give me a vision like that. He just did. He just did. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. I preached it to you. You got one. But you have to do what I had to do because that one picture wasn't enough. I had to soak in it and meditate it. Show my definition about meditation, please. Biblical meditation. Remember, three components of biblical meditation. Verbalization, the words, but not just any words, the word of God. But it's not real meditation if all I can do is just recite the scripture but can't see the image. Meditation means I say the words, but I use my imagination to see the pictures. And then I associate the emotion with it by praising God like it's done. And if I meditate, the scripture says, in Joshua 1, 68, that I will know how to make my own way prosperous and be successful. I will see into how to do the thing that I meditate. So many times people, even preachers, they know how to study. We train to study, but they don't know how to meditate. Then they wonder why they can't get it to work. Because they reading the scriptures about by his stripes, Jesus, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed, but they still picture in their funeral. How they wife going to live without them? How they going to have a talk, the good words, and bring them to the altar and then go down and eat chicken? Potato salad. How they going to sing, his eye is on the sparrow? <laughs> I just go. <laughs> we had these pictures in our heads. If you're going to change, you're going to have to change that inner image on the inside of you. I can tell you from experience, even one time God giving you a vision won't be enough to change the picture. But what happens when you get into the word and then over and over, you're creating your own movie? Why is the Marvel Universe so big? Because people like to see themselves as the superhero. You are the superhero. And just as much 
as deliverance is Jesus' superpower. It's your superpower, too, because you got his name. You got his armor. You got his blood. You got his angels. You got a whole superhero team backing you up, baby. It's your superpower. You got superpowers. I tell people I need music because um, every superhero movie has a soundtrack. Yeah, every superhero movie got a soundtrack. Sometimes they tell you the, they show you the soundtrack without the movie. Yeah, because it keeps you in that zone. Listen, you're going to have to create your own movies. You're going to have to cast down them old images, casting down imaginations. But you got to replace them with these images if you're going to really be successful. All right? Listen, it'll take time for that image to change. That's why the scripture tells you to meditate day and night. So you're going to have to re repetitively do this. But when you do it, God's going to show you the specific way your situation will change. You will see into it. And then the first times you're doing it, you're just changing the inner image. Once the inner image is changed and you do it, you're going to change your situation. You got that? I got to change the picture first. The old picture is stubborn. That's why my character is consistent. My character don't change easy because my picture is solid. But if I do this repetitively and put words, images, and emotion, that picture will change. And once it changes, and then I speak to that thing, that thing going to move for me like it moved for Jesus. Come on, let's stand. This is some, pastor went deep today. 